Pricing carbon is essential but inadequate. A high enough price is too politically painful, so other tools are required. Welcome to The Future is Electric, a techno-optimistic podcast associated with the medium publication of the same name. We explore the future with a recurring focus on climate change, technologies which are transforming our world, and a side helping of politics and culture. I'm your host, Michael Bernard, Chief Strategist of TFIE. Carbon pricing is starting to take off globally as a key lever in the fight against global warming. However, it faces political challenges, which means it will be very unlikely to be sufficient by itself. Let's look at a few case studies. California has had a carbon cap and trade system in place since 2013. The price per ton of CO2 peaked at around $22 US, but is currently hovering around $15 US. The plan was joined by the Canadian provinces of Ontario and Quebec, but the, with the Ontario government replaced by a conservative administration, rip, intent on ripping up all positive environmental actions of the Liberals, the cap-and-trade system has been abandoned in that province. British Columbia in Canada, under a progressive conservative government, implemented a carbon tax in 2008, which had a progressive increase year-over-year year, matched by reductions in other taxes, such as income tax. This was successful and introduced slow and predictable economic changes. A new leader stepped in and put a stop to increases in the tax, effectively capping it at $30 Canadian per tonne. Australia, under a progressive government, implemented a carbon tax on large emitters in 2012 of $23 Australian per tonne, which was subsequently revoked entirely by a fairly hard-right government in 2014. The Canadian province of Alberta in October 2015 put a, in place a climate plan that included a significant extension of its current low climate tax on emitters. The tax came into effect on January 2017 at $20 Canadian per tonne, increasing to $30 per tonne in January 2018, and was intended to increase by 2% over inflation annually. This would have resulted in a carbon tax of about $43 per tonne by 2030. However, with the Kinder Morgan pipeline failure, the Notley government derailed further increases, something which politically gave them a tiny bit of breathing room in, in the election, where the price on carbon was a wedge by the Conservative opposition. And Notley lost, and the Conservatives won, and emasculated the carbon price. Canada has implemented a national carbon tax, which it will impose on any province which is not meeting the same carbon price using a province-specific mechanism. It will rebate money collected directly to Canadian citizens in the province, something which will result in net gains to the finances of citizens given the way the plan is structured. However, the Conservative governments of multiple provinces are suing the federal Liberal government to block the imposition of the tax. And in the last election, in November of 2019, the carbon price was a specific political wedge used by the Conservatives. They had intended to cancel it. Quebec, still in the Californian-led cap-and-trade system, is currently paying under the federal government target price. Both the BC and Australian taxes were widely agreed to be working, and working via market mechanisms of internalizing costs onto producers 
of what were previously negative externalities. The BC1 is widely studied for that reason. However, both were capped or revoked. In Australia, fairly explicitly because of populist rage, climate change denialist rhetoric, and a strong focus by the government on getting coal out of the ground and into international markets. In British Columbia, the new Conservative Premier read the political tea leaves and decided capping it at a lower price was viable. With the new progressive government in BC, the cap has been lifted, and the current price is $35 CAD, the highest in the world outside of uh, Norway and Sweden, and still inadequate. Right-wing politicians and policy types who accept the science of climate change and the need to do something about it are starting to come around on carbon taxes as the one acceptable answer, specifically if they're matched by tax reductions in other areas, and very specifically by elimination of regulations. Conservatives should embrace a carbon tax, a much less costly means of reducing greenhouse gas, gas emissions, in return for elimination of EPA regulatory authority over greenhouse gas emissions, abolition of green energy subsidies and regulatory mandates, and offsetting tax cuts to provide for revenue ne neutrality, says one standard policy statement from U.S. Republicans. The BC and Australian prices are interesting because they were high enough that consumer and corporate behavior was starting to shift and carbon emissions were diminishing, but there are also very low carbon prices. A price of $30 would effectively increase the cost of methane gas for generation by 35% and a $43 tax would increase it by 50%. Those are significant numbers, but given a number of other factors are insufficient by themselves. The range of carbon prices considered effective are in the $60 to $160 USD range, with the median around $90 USD. Populist backlash is kicking in at numbers less than half of the bottom end of the effective range. That's strongly indicative of an issue. Looking again at the Alberta example, where carbon taxes were not matched directly by reductions in other taxes, we can start to see the impacts on families. I quote, roughly speaking, households in the bottom 20% of the income distribution face a $300 per year cost increase from the carbon tax. For a median household, the cost is $500. And for the top 20% of households, the cost is about $600. The lowest income households will get protection of some sort, and $600 for high income households is irrelevant. But that $500 for the middle class annually is after taxes and is a significant number as a result. And it will only increase. Assuming that the projected $43 Canadian per ton had occurred by 2030, that's about $720 per year. But at the lowest price in the range of $60 USD per ton, that would have turned into about $1,300 Canadian per year. At the median, it's almost 2,000. At the top end, it's 4,000. In Canada, some policy researchers are suggesting the evidence indicates that there is no political will to increase tax hold, taxes on households by that much, and that no democratically elected party is going to have the stomach to get the rates to the right levels. That story is playing out globally, as the examples show. No one is implementing a carbon tax that is anywhere near the bottom end of the necessary range, and the ones that rise over time 
or going to rise too slowly to have sufficient impact in the right time frame. That's part of the reason why 130 businesses in BC recently asked the government to increase the carbon tax by $10 annually for the next several years. As a result, the policy research group recommended regulation instead of taxation based on what has actually had the largest impact on carbon emissions. I quote, when asked which climate policy in Canada reduced the most CO2 emissions over the last decade, many people guessed BC's well-publicized carbon tax. They're wrong. It was Ontario's ban on coal-fired power, which reduced annual emissions by 25 megatons. Surely then, BC's carbon tax must have caused the most reductions in that province. Wrong again. The 2007 Clean Electricity Regulation forced BC Hydro to cancel two private coal plants and its own gas plant. This cut BC's projected annual emissions in 2020 by 12 to 18 megatons. The carbon tax is slated to reduce 2020 annual emissions by only 3 to 5 megatons. It's an interesting argument relevant to what will be effective in a flawed world. A price on carbon sufficient to drive sufficient change will be politically unacceptable. The right-wing desire to eliminate regulation in return for a carbon tax that will undoubtedly be too low will possibly have serious negative consequences. The answer, of course, is a blended model. Carbon taxes and cap-and-trade systems are policy tools. Regulation is a policy tool. Picking winners such as wind and solar to incent the tax breaks and feed in tariffs are policy tools. Picking losers such as coal to eliminate is a policy tool. The answer won't be either taxes or regulation, but both. You have been listening to The Future is Electric, a techno-optimistic view of climate change, transformative technologies, politics, and culture. I'm your host, Michael Bernard, Chief Strategist of TFIE. These podcasts are available from the medium publication of the same name, Anchor FM, and other podcast sites. Let us know that you are enjoying us via Claps and Medium, and tell us what you'd like us to cover next. 